participants, have I? No. I like to put this down because I'm like shorter, so. But that's okay. David was short. David was a short, short man. Saul, he was head and shoulders above the rest. But David was tiny. Anyway, I won't go there. No, I won't, I won't go. <laughs> so, Father, we want to thank you today. We thank you for our kids as they go out. We thank you for our young people. Lord, we pray that you would bless them. Father, we want to see them not just know you, but to, but to move in your anointing, to move in your grace, to be baptized with your spirit of fire. And so, God, we bless them. But, Lord, we want to thank you today that we can come around your word, your word that is living and active. So, God, we thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and in our lives. And, God, we continue to yield to you. We continue to submit to you that you would have your way in us and amongst us and through us for your kingdom and for your glory. So we just yield to you. God, we want to have ears to hear what your spirit is saying to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, free to worship part two. Oh, I actually have another little surprise too. Oh, sorry, everyone that's gone's missed it. But Adrian, Adrian Evans, who's been here a couple of times and she was here with the women's uh, conference earlier in the year. Hands up who was blessed and encouraged through Adrian's ministry. Yeah, a lot of people. She's uh, back speaking here on Sunday the 20th of August. But her other appointment that she was coming to, back to Australia for, because she lives in the States, has been cancelled. So she's actually going to speak the Sunday also, the, the, the team is away in Alice Springs. So she's going to be here for two weekends in a row. So um, she's going to be, live amongst us and, and be a part of us for that whole week. Amen? So that's really good. So we will be taking up an offering for her because we want to bless her. Amen? Anyway. So last week we started a series on being free to worship. And the, the verses that the Lord was um, stirring in my heart about this was from Ezek um, Ezekiel, Exodus chapter 6 through to chapter 10, when Moses, as God's representative, stood before Pharaoh and he said, let my people go that they may worship me. And every time he presented himself as God's representative, he said, let my people go that they may worship me. And so the essence of that is what is stopping us from living lives of worship unto the king? It may not be a nation, it may not be Pharaoh with his, with his rules, but spiritually what is stopping us from living as worshippers of Jesus 24-7, day and night, night and day, let incense rise. For too long, worship has been put in boxes, just like prayer. I go to a prayer meeting. Prayer meetings are awesome. And in fact, prayer meetings are a foundation of any church and any ministry. But our lives are called to be lives of prayer. Yep, in the same way with worship. Worship is, you know, I'm going to worship. No, no, we, we live lives of worship and we gather. And we, we're not merely just coming to worship. We, we are gathering as the ecclesia, as a living temple to worship the king. But our lives are meant to be lives of worship. Tomorrow when you go to work, your life is a life of worship. In fact, this afternoon when you go home, your life is a life of worship. Worship was never meant to be contained to a few songs on a Sunday morning. Worship is meant to be our lives. 
And we read that in Scripture, that 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 is in fact a true spiritual act of worship, is to live lives of worship as a response to the one who gave his life for us. That's what worship is. It is our response to the one who gave his life for us. And that should never, never, never be contained to a time slot. So what is stopping us from living lives of worship? The Spirit of God is is drawing people back. You know, when Jesus spoke to the churches in Revelation, he would always say, let him who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Well, I want to say this morning that, that, that the Spirit is speaking to the church. And when I say the church, I mean the church in our nation. The Spirit of God is speaking to our church, but the, to the church, but the problem is that so many are not listening. They're stuck in patterns and programs, and they're just doing what they've always done, and they'll get what they've always got. But the Spirit of God is actually drawing people back to the heart of worship. Drawing people back to first love. And when you come back into a place of first love with Jesus, all of a sudden things just start to happen. You start to speak, you start to sing, you start to dance, dance, you start to share, you start to live. You don't just merely read the Word, but you start to live the Word because the, the right place is from a foundation of first love with Christ. Amen. The only reason we have programs, or some of them, is because people are not walking in first love. We have a care ministry and a structure of care ministry. There's nothing wrong with that. Because in our culture that we live in, people are so busy, 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 busy that they forget about the person that's next to them. So we put a care ministry in place to try and help facilitate care to the brethren. Amen? And to anyone else that comes across our path. But what happens is if we, if we give a bit of space for the Spirit of God and we come back into first love, all of a sudden the things that are on His heart are on our heart. Even this morning when we were in worship and I've got a name and I go, oh, I actually need to message them after this morning to see if they're doing okay. You see, it's all meant to come out of that place of first love. Is there an Amen. There may be a remnant that's rising in, in Australia. It may not be the mass, but I can tell you one thing, it is a remnant because God always uses a remnant. He didn't need the 32,000 of Gideon's army. He just needed a few. He just needs a few. He's looking for a few that will lay it all down and go, as for me and my house... We will worship the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. No longer am I building up treasures on earth where moth you know, comes in and rust destroys and thieves break in and steal. But, all, but I'm going to live for you and I'm going to live for the kingdom of God and I'm going to start storing up treasures in heaven. Is there an amen? The thing about it is it creates a ripple effect. Have you ever been around someone that is on fire for Jesus long enough? But what happens is it's contagious. 
something starts to happen. This, this, the Spirit of God in you is kind of feeding off the Spirit of God in the other person. All of a sudden, you start to get excited for Jesus. All of a sudden, it's like, I, I, I can't live just my normal life. I can't live in apathy. I can't live in lukewarmness anymore. I need to live for Jesus. And now I recognize that I was kind of not really living for Jesus, even though I thought I was. The bar, is, was being, the bar of mediocrity was kind of down here somewhere. But Jesus said, as we looked in our previous series, Truly Free, he said, I have come that you would have life and life abundance. It is the enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but God came. Jesus came to give us abundant life. Is that amen? It's his presence. It's his glory. It's his kingdom. It's all about Jesus. We're going to put something like that on the front of the building. We've got someone's music playing down here. Worship is our response to the one who gave it all. The purpose of man is to worship God and to enjoy him forever. We weren't created to be separate from God. We were created to be with God. The heart of God is for fellowship. The heart of God is for relationship. As we reminded a couple of weeks ago by Mark, when Adam and Eve had sinned, God knew where they are, but he was like, where are you? We were created for relationship. We were created for fellowship. And the thing is that we try and fill our lives with all kinds of other stuff. The world says, you know, I just want more sex, or I just want more drugs, or I just want need more alcohol, or I just need another this, or this, or this, or that. But it doesn't satisfy. People might think it satisfies, but it actually doesn't. We were created for communion with God. That's what we were created for, not stuff. People are not numbers. They have a name. You know, everywhere you go now, we've just, we're just known by numbers. You've got a Medicare number. You've got a Centrelink number. You've got a, you've got a table number. <laughs> oh, are you number 32? Don't you love it when you actually go into a cafe and they actually know your name? Hey, Tim. Good to see you. My daughter says, Dad, how many times have you visited this cafe? <laughs> um, just a few. But isn't it nice when someone knows your name? We're not just numbers. We were created for relationship. David was one of those demonstrations to, for, for us. He said in Psalm 16 verse 8 that we looked at last week, I have set the Lord always before me. Oh, man, what if we live like that? From the moment we go to bed to, and we awake. And if we awake in the night, who kind of wakes in the night sometimes? Oh, wow, like everyone has a period. Sometimes it's like, oh, I just want to get back to sleep. And sometimes it's like, yes, Lord. I really want to sleep, though. What is it like? 
Every area of our life. Every area. I remember years ago when God took away some crutches financially for us. You know, and the last thing was you said, cut up your credit card. And he said, if you cut up your credit card, I will pay your debts. We only had a debt on a car and we had a debt on our credit card and we, in obedience we cut up our credit card and God sent two people, one paid off our car and one paid off our credit card debt. But you know, when you go through stuff there, that sounds really like, woo. But then when you go through stuff and you've got $6 left in your bank several times over a period of years, you start to realise the, the truth that we've lent upon the things of this world for too long. The church has borrowed things from the world. We've allowed the things of the world into the church when the church is actually meant to be set apart for God. And God has a way and God has his ways. It's his kingdom. And we've got to learn to trust him and we have to get rid of the crutches. And we have to learn to trust him. And you see God move. You know, some of you have heard the stories. You've, we've seen God move that day when we had hardly anything and our boys came to us and said, can we have McDonald's after church today? And we knew that we only had not much. Sorry, I've just got emotions welling up. And someone put an envelope in the offering for Tim and Bonnie London. And it was $23.65. And so, you know, we thought, let's go to McDonald's. Because we never wanted our boys to miss out. We never wanted them to know. That was always our prayer. Because God is not a stingy God. He's our provider. He's a good father. We never bowed to the spirit of poverty, ever. We even kept giving them Adidas football boots. Anyway, we went to McDonald's and our order was $23.60. We had an extra five cents because our God is more than enough. But he wants, but it's not about that. He wants your heart. He actually wants your heart. Everything, everything is about he wants your heart. Because when he has your heart, you realize that everything that we have is not ours, it's actually his, and we're just called to steward it. Possessions don't have the hold on us like they used to have years ago. So when there is a need or when we need to help someone or we need to give to someone, we can give because it doesn't have a hold on us. That's what I'm getting at. What has got a hold on you that is stopping you from living lives of worship unto the King? Is it people? Is it titles? Is it possessions? Is it what is it? Is it the fear of man? Is it religion? What is it that's stopping us from living as radical lovers of Jesus Christ in a society that desperately needs to see a people that are demonstrating what it is to worship and serve our God? Everything is worship. You go to work, you worship God. 
the way that you carry yourself, the way that you live, you worship him. As you give, as you put your offering in, we don't make a big song and dance about it here. We don't need to preach for 10 minutes to try and make you feel like you need to give money. We want to lead you to Jesus Christ because when he has your heart, you want to give. He just wants our hearts. Is there an amen? We never want to be a people that have a form of godliness but deny his power. That's religion. Where we have a form of godliness but we deny his power. His power to change lives. His power to set us free. His power. It says about it in the last days in 2 Timothy, doesn't it? That there's going to be a people. There's going to be a people that have a form of godliness, but deny its power. It says they're going to be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud. That's not just in the world, that's in the church. Because this is lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. How can you have a form of godliness without it? You know, one of the verses we looked at last week, and I'm trying to get to my main point, is Isaiah 29 verse 13 when it says, The Lord said, These people approach me with their speeches and they honour me with their lip service, but yet their hearts are far from me and their, their worship is made up of rules of man. Do this, do that, stand up, sit down. Just stand up and start praising the Lord. And if you want to dance, you want to grab a banner, you want to fall prostrate on the floor, you want to weep before the throne of God, you do what you do before God. We don't want to just speak and have a form of godliness. We want to live it. We want to live it. Last week we also looked at the verse in Matthew chapter 6. It says, for where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Where's your heart? Does he have our heart? Does he have all of it? Imagine the room and like your heart is like a room, I mean like a house. And all the doors have got different locks on it. Which ones have you given Jesus access to? You've given him some, have you given him all? The thing about God is that he knows everything about us already and he loves us so much that he gave his son. We we don't need to hide because he already knows. We just need to come to him. And the very thing that you think is, is so important that's stopping you from giving him that key, you will find freedom. That will be above and beyond anything you've ever experienced before. I still remember before we had that, the hub and we, you know, our Friday night prayer meetings were in people's homes. And our Friday night prayer meetings sometimes can get a little bit rowdy. Woo! And one night got really rowdy. And the person who was next door, like the person whose house we were in, they went to their next door neighbours and, and, and they said, we hope we, hope, we hope we weren't too noisy for you last night in our church prayer meeting. 
And the neighbor replied with her husband there. She goes, no. She said, I told my husband, see, you don't have to have alcohol to have a good time. (laughs) You see, that's what the church is meant to be. We're meant to live it loud. For too long we've gone, oh, no, the world's, no, the world's. No, no, no. We need to be, we need to be like, you know, Joshua and Caleb. When the others, they looked at the giants and they said, oh, they're too big and we're like grasshoppers in, in, our, you know, in their eyes. No, 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 no. We are actually like Joshua and Caleb who actually speak to the giants. We need to stop bowing the knee to the world and we start, and we start to need to bow towards Jesus. So David, I only got through one of David's psalms last week, so we're getting on with that. David has so many beautiful psalms, doesn't he? So many beautiful. We look briefly at Psalm 27. Oh, I love Psalm 27, as I said last week. I got a bit emotional in there too. And he said, you know, but I, I love the declaration at the end. He said, I would have lost heart except for this. I am confident that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Is there an amen to that? Have you been in a situation or, or are you in a situation where you feel like you just want to lose heart? You just want to give up? David, David was right there in that moment and he said, I would have lost heart except for this. I am confident that I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Amen? So anyway, we want to look at um, just another one of your psalms, Psalm 63. So th- this psalm was written when, when David was in the wilderness Now, often when we read Scripture, we just project stuff into it. You know, we think, oh, it's all right for you, David, because, you know, life's all good. You're on the mountaintop. Everything's going awesome. You're just praising God, you know. Woohoo! No, no, no. David was in the wilderness being chased down. That's where he wrote this psalm. And he says, God, you are my God. I eagerly seek you. I thirst for you. My body faints for you in a, dry, in a land that is dry and desolate and without water. And so I gaze on you in the sanctuary to see your strength and your glory. My lips will glorify you because your love is better than life. What a statement. So I will bless you as long as I live and in your name I will lift up my hands. I was raised in a church where there was no lifting of hands. And I had to go through the motions of... Is anyone looking? I'm reading it in Scripture that I should be lifting my hands in worship. Um, No, not today. Heart palpitations, sweaty palms, and then the moment you just go, oh, hang it. But that's what it's like sometimes, isn't it? We have these little battles. We have these little things in us that's like nag, 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 just trying to stop you. But when you do it, you go, why didn't I do that earlier? I've just been real. You satisfy me with the richest of food. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips. What about this? When I think of you as I lie on my bed, what consumes your thoughts before you go off to sleep? That's a good question, isn't it? That's actually a valid question. What consumes your thoughts before you go to sleep? 
There's an indication right there. It's not always easy when stuff goes on. I'm not saying it is. But we need to come to a place where Jesus is our last thought before we go to sleep. Thank you, Jesus. I meditate on you during the watches of the night because you are my helper. I will rejoice in the shadow of your wings. My soul follows hard after you. Man, that's another one of those verses for me. My soul follows hard after you. What else could I do in life? I can't think of anything. I honestly can't think of anything. I have a blank. There's nothing else. There's nothing else. Paul said to live is Christ and to die is gain. It's gain. The life I live, I'm going to keep living. I'm going to keep living by faith in the Son of God. We don't live our life by feelings. We live them by faith. We're called to live our life by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. Oh, man, it's hot up here today. Show. Your right hand holds on to me. You know, there was a song that came out in the 80s or 90s and it was called Jesus, Lover of My Soul. Jesus, lover of my soul. I'm I'm showing my age now. I actually had to change the words of that song because it's Jesus, lover of my soul. Jesus, I will never let you go. I'm thinking, oh dear, that's not good. Jesus, you will never let me go. My reliance is not upon my ability Oh, my reliance is upon him who gave himself for us. I had to change the chorus too because it said, I love you, I need you. Though my world may fall, you'll never let me go. My Saviour, my closest friend, I will worship you until the very end. (laughs) Give him praise, amen. Worship him. We, we don't need the latest gimmicks or the late, latest fads. We just need more of him and, we'd need, and we need more of his presence and his glory because he's the one that changes lives. He's the one. I don't think we're going to get through this message today. Are we going all right? <laughs> well, Sheena's next week, so we'll just have to just park the bus until the week after. We were always meant to be a people of his presence. The church, the people of God, we're always, always meant to be a people of his presence. Because if it's only good works, we might as well be the Lions Club. Rawr, that's actually pretty good, actually. No, no, uh, the, the, the Probus Club, the, the Country Women's Association. If it's all about just good works, then we might as well go join those organisations. 
But it's not about that. It's about the presence of God. It's about the one who can change lives from the inside out. That's what it's about. Moses knew that. He said, God, don't send us up from here unless your presence goes with us. David knew that. He said, it's not right. Where's the Ark of the Covenant? It needs to be back amongst the people of God. For too long, it's been in the hands of the Philistines, the world. We need to have the presence of God back. I want to be part of the church where people walk in the door and they fall on their face and say, God is really here. No one needs to be pushed over because people are just going. I'm being real. We need to be people of his presence. His presence. The early church knew that. Just just read Revelation. That's where we're going to be. Yahweh Shammah, the Lord is there. Day and night. Night and day. Day and night. Night and day. They never stop singing, holy, holy. This isn't the thing about that. You know, Jesus, when he was like, you know, in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he said, you guys keep watch and pray. Yes, okay, you, you keep watch and pray. Okay, yeah, okay. He comes back to them. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Just stay awake. The Spirit is willing. The Holy the Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And sometimes we can sing a song and we're like, oh, yeah, are we singing holy again? Can we sing something else, please? I've had enough of singing holy. But yet day and night, night and day, we're going to be singing holy. Holy is going to be heard right throughout. Holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy. So you know what? We need to get out of the flesh and we need to get into the spirit and we need to start worshipping him. Jesus said that he was looking for a particular kind of worshippers. I don't know where we're going to get to today. I really don't. Anyway. In John chapter 4, Jesus told her, Believe me, woman, an hour is coming when the... when." When you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know what uh, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know because salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming and is now here when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him. God is spirit and we must worship him in spirit and in truth. You see, the, the Samaritans or the Samaritans had their place. And the Jews had their place. And he said, it's not about that. I'm breaking all those barriers down. We get a, I'm looking for worshippers that, 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 that cannot be contained to a place or a time slot or a style. I'm looking for worshippers that are going to worship me in spirit and in truth. Is there an amen? The truth is kind of like two parts. I, I, well, it's probably multiple really, but the truth, truth is God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The problem with the world today is that there is no truth. Your truth is different to my truth and different to your truth and your truth and your truth and your truth and your truth. And all of a sudden, we've got no truth and the fabric of society starts falling apart. No, no, well, we actually have to be a people that stand and say, no, no, Jesus is the truth. 
There is no other way under, which, under heaven by which man can be saved. There is no other name. No other name. Maybe we'll put that on our building as well. No other name. Jesus. We're going to have lots of signs on the building. The gospel will be preached on the, on the sidewalk. <laughs> oh, we could do that. That would be pretty good, actually. Anyway, so we worship God for who he is, not with thoughts and feelings of ourselves, but he is holy. He is set apart. There is no one else. We worship him, El Shaddai, Almighty God. We worship him as creator, the, the one who spoke and created the heavens. We worship in truth. We worship him, who he is, not what the world is saying he is, but who he really is. And we worship in truth because we come and we be real. We need to be real. That's part of being truthful. We need to be real. And we worship in spirit, as I've already said, not constrained by times and seasons and patterns. We worship 24-7. And we worship by the spirit, not by the flesh, but by the spirit. So my question, we're going to just pause and probably get back into this in a couple of weeks' time. But what stops you... What stops you from worshipping? What stops the flow? You know, Jesus said, whoever believes in me, out of them will flow rivers of living water. What does that look like? <laughs> rivers of living water. You know when someone's carrying rivers of living water because you can feel it. You can sense it. Is it a wrong mindset? We were talking the other day about this whole thing about personalities. Oh, I don't do that because I'm melancholy. Or I don't do that because I'm sanguine. Well, you know, when we were born again, we were actually born again from above into Christ. There is no sanguine, melancholy, choleric, phlegmatic. We are actually being changed into the image of Christ. So if I'm using that as an excuse, there's an area in me that God needs to adjust because I am being made into the image of Christ. So maybe it's a mindset. Is it fear? Is it fear of letting go? It's hard sometimes, isn't it? You kind of have stuff and you're just like, no, I'm not letting go. Yes, I'm letting go, God. No, I'm not letting go. Oh, dear, I need to let go. Is it fear of man? Well, that's a snare. The fear of man is a snare. That was ultimately my battle in the lifting of hands was that I had a fear of people's opinions around me. And the Spirit needed to convict me enough that I would agree with Scripture and begin to lift my hands in worship, regardless of what people would say or think about me. Do not let the fear of man stop you from worshipping. Don't let it. Is it pride? Is pride stopping you from worshipping? You see, pride can be an issue because humility is actually 
needed to actually worship. We need humble hearts to worship because we realize it's not about us, it's actually about him. So sometimes pride actually stops us from worshiping him. Is it greed? Look at the, look at the rich young ruler. You know, I've done that. I've done this. Yep, I've done that. Well, that's really great. Now you need to go and give up everything and you need to come follow me. Um, no. Greed can be an issue. It doesn't have to be just about money. It can be about other things. Unforgiveness. That's another blockage from Scripture. Unforgiveness stops us from worshipping. A critical, judge, judge, judgmental spirit. That stops us from worshipping God. What about religion? The spirit of religion, religious spirit. That stops us. We need to position ourselves. Music team, you can come back up. We're, we're, we're good. We need to position ourselves. We keep going back. We keep going back to 2 Chronicles 20. Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, the battle, the army that was coming against them. Stuff was going on. We keep coming back to that because the Lord said to him, just be still. You do not have to fight this battle. The battle is not yours, it's God's. But position yourself. And I believe that God is speaking to His church and say, it's time for you to position yourself. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what's going on around you. It is time to position yourself. Well, that's good, Tim, but what am I positioning myself in? We position ourselves by trusting God. Because He said to them, the battle is not yours, it's mine. I'll deal with it. It's the ability to just stand and not be moved and say, no, God said it, so I believe it. It is the position of your heart. Because worship is about the position of your heart. You need to position your heart before God. You need to position yourself and go, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. And we need to position ourselves to be filled with the Spirit of God afresh. Because being filled with the Spirit is not just a once-off thing. We are to keep being filled with the Spirit of God. Has the fire in your life grown dim through the seasons of battle and struggle? Valid question. Has the fire of God grown dim in you through the seasons of life that have battled and you've struggled and you've held on? Well, God's held you, and you know, but you feel like it's just been a battle after battle after battle. There's a lot of us here. Has the fire grown dim? We need to position ourselves in prayer and say, God, give me a fresh fire. He is a good Father. What we ask for, He gives good gifts. It says He gives good gifts. So He gives the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. God, 
I want to come back to the heart of worship where it's all about you. I'm sorry, Lord, for the things I've made it when it's all about you. I'm sorry I repent of allowing other things to get into my heart and my life. I need a fresh fire. Baptize me with your spirit and fire. Fire.